Okay, I made Chabad of the Hamptons um, co-host. Are you able to admit people? You see that? Yeah. Okay, perfect. So then yeah, I'm going good. to... Okay. So that's all? Yeah, just as you see people trying to enter, just admit okay. them. It, uh, and then does... I can just um, turn off the recording? Well, the record, no, the, the recording should be on. I, I, I started the recording already. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Okay, good. I'm Thank going you. to no problem. If Thank you, you um yeah, if you have any issue, give me a call. Okay. Thank you. Um, good morning, everybody that's on. If you want to get a chumash for the Rashi, I should have posted that. I'll post it right now. Morning, Tavari. Good morning. It's a little early. A little earlier. This is by me. This is, by me. <laughs> this is what gets me up Monday morning. I'm up and going, so I listen. Um, while you're on the phone, Tavari, we have, we to, have start. to start. Sorry, it's sorry, 10 it's 10 okay. We'll talk we'll after. Talk okay? after, okay? Good morning, everyone. It's ten o'clock. We're going to um, do Yisrael Gimel. And um, as we have been doing the last few months, it's hard to believe it's been months, we're learning in the schus of all of those who have been abducted, that they should be returned home safe in body, in mind, in spirit. It should be immediately. And all those that need a refor shlema should have a refor shlema. And all those who have been displaced should be able to find menuchas hanefesh. And there should be shalom al Yisrael. There should be shalom everywhere. Mashiach should come. That's that's it. Also, want to say a very big thank you to everyone. Um, our our um, 
I guess our team was able to fulfill our goal for the project. So a very, very big thank you to everyone for that. Also want, <laughs> I, oh, look at, look at Joni's uh, screen. Um, also want to um, mention Simcha's um, Goldie Bumgarten, I assume may not be on next week, Monday. So want to wish her a great huge mazel tov on the marriage of her daughter, Leah, to Mayor Chazanovich next Tuesday night, next Tuesday, Hashem. Uh, big mazel tov to Chani Rappaport for the bar mitzvah of her enikol, Eli Dubov, uh, son of her daughter, Dina. A uh, big mazel tov to Elisheva Mishalavin on the engagement of her daughter Nechama to Yisrael Rifkin, Bishateva Mutzlachas, and my granddaughter Musya Slanim became bat mitzvah this past Shabbos. And this should only be simchas for all of us, only simchas, only and always. I also want to ask everybody to keep in mind um, our learning for the Refor Shalema of Schneer Zalman Ben Chana, that he should have a we're going to start now. Um, the sikh again is Yisrael Gimel. And um, just going to, it is a Rashi sikha. Um, So if you have a Chumash and Rashi, that will be great. And it is the very last Pasuk in our Parsha. The very last Pasuk in Parsha is Yisrael. Um, just want to recognize that this sikha. Uh, might take us a little bit out of our comfort zone, um, but I think that we are all going to be very happy that we did this. Be'ezus Hashem. Um, but it, it's it's a little bit of um, a pull-pull here, um, but we got this. Okay, so the Rebbe says, Besiyum Parsha Seinu. The very end of our Parsha, it's Pasuk Chav Gimel in Perak Chav. The Pasuk reads, you shall not go up to my altar with steps. Why? So that your nakedness will not be revealed upon it. So on these words, where the Torah tells us that for the Kohanim to access the Mizbeach, um, which was on, uh, you know, it was above ground, it was like it was on a platform. Um, instead of using steps, which you may have thought would be the best way for them to access, instead a ramp should be built. Now, Isa ben Mechilta. Mechilta writes, "We're in the Sicha now." Varedvarim kalvachimer, and we learn a kalvachimer, which means that we look at something and we say, if this is true, then how much more so something else would be true? So if you can't take a cookie out of my cookie jar without asking me, you definitely cannot take my car keys without asking me. Okay. So the Mechilta says, we learn a Kalvachimer. If we're talking about stones, an inanimate object, that does not have cognition, that does not understand bad from good. And regarding that, that you shouldn't act towards this, these stones um, in a way that is demeaning or deprecating or insulting. And, and Rashi explains that because in order to go up steps, you have to raise your feet 
you have to um, walk in a way that might expose parts of the body that are not usually exposed. And this would be a considered a slight, an insult to the stones. So if Hashem said that you shouldn't act towards this inanimate matter in such a way, so if you're talking about your friend, your fellow, who was created in the image of he who said, and therefore the world came into being, the halacha is that you're not allowed to embarrass or slight or in any way demean your friend. Okay? So the Mechilta brings this down. Now, Kal now this very same Kal meaning how much more so, Rashi. Rashi also makes the same point using that same paradigm of a Kal Aval Bishinuyim But Rashi makes changes and he makes additions. So if you have the, uh, the Chumash in front of you and you have the Rashi, Let's do it inside. Ashaloi tigala ervascha, so that your nakedness not be revealed. Sha'al yadei hamalis atatzarech laharchiv psiyay secha, because due to steps, you will have to broaden your strides. In other words, you'll, you, it, you have to separate your feet in greater manner. And even though it would not be actual uncovering of nakedness, because the Torah says that you should make for the Kahanim linen pants or linen knickers, still and all, when you broaden your steps or your strides, it is close enough to uncovering one's nakedness, and through this coming close to uncovering nakedness, this is a form of disrespect towards the stones. Rashi says, and this is a kalvachimer. You can derive from these things a fortiori. Just as these stones that have no ability to take offense at their denigration, Amra Taira, but the Taira states still, since there is a need for these steps, do not act disrespectfully towards them. How much more so your fellow man, who's in the image of your creator, and does take offense when he is embarrassed or as he is slighted, how much more so you must be careful not to show disrespect to a person. Okay. We're in the third paragraph of the Sikh. So Rashi uses the following terminology that the stone, the inanimate matter, does not have sentience, does not have das, does not have cognition to be to um, take offense when they are slighted. Okay. 
And this is different from what the Mechilta said, because the Mechilta said, The Mechilta said about the stones that they don't have um, sentience or discernment uh, between things that are bad and good. So from the fact that Rashi changed it, move on Bipashto, so it's understood, that Rashi wants to underscore the lack of possibility for stones to feel embarrassed. Juxtaposed upon the fact that your friend would feel embarrassed if you don't act properly towards them. Through this, so through what Rashi does, the Kalvachimer is understood so much more strongly. And for this very reason, and for the very same reason, because Rashi wants to set this juxtaposition up at sharp relief, for the very same reason, Rashi adds the words, that your friend is sensitive to being embarrassed. And the Mechilta does not include that. The Chain. And then, in the same fashion, another difference between the Mechilta and Rashi. Halashem beperish Rashi, chavercha shehu bidmus yaitzrucha. Rashi says, your friend or your fellow human being who is created in the image of your creator. Bimakam lashen ha mechilta bidmusay shal misha amar vahaya elam. Which is different than what the Mechilta says. The Mechilta says that your fellow is created in the image of he who said and therefore created the world. And why does Rashi do this? Because Rashi is using a term that is more resonant with a human being. It's closer to us. He's underscoring He's saying that by using the term Yitzrucha, it's simple. It is the one who created the person who is going up on the steps. And it's something that we can all relate to. But we have to understand. So in other words, these two differences between the Mechilta and Rashi, it's logical. We understand. But we have to understand as Haisafasoi shall Rashi Alashana Mechilta, but we have to understand something that Rashi adds that the Mechilta does not. Rashi says, Amra Taira, Taira says about the stones, Why do you have to um have special regard? Why do you have to have special sensitivity? Why do you have to have special respect for the stones? Because they serve a particular purpose. So the Rebbe asks, what does this add? In other words, what does it add to say that you have to have respect for the stones because they're necessary for a particular purpose? The Kalvachimer would stand either way. Kalvachimer is that you have to be sensitive to something that is inanimate. In this particular case, it's stone. 
upon which Kaihanim would alight to go to the Mizbeach. And Rashi is saying that it would be a form of embarrassment for the stones if the Kaihanim would take steps because that causes more um, revelation of a part of a body that's usually covered. And if you have to be sensitive to stone, how much more so you have to be sensitive to a person? But the Rebbe is asking, but why is it necessary for Rashi to say that the reason you have to be sensitive to the stones is because they serve a particular purpose? The Mechilta doesn't go there, but Rashi underscores this. And again, when the Rebbe studies Rashi with us, he is always operating under the assumption that Rashi uses the least amount of words necessary, which means that if he adds something, it's absolutely necessary to the pshat. And so the Rebbe is asking, why? Bays. See if bays. The Yuvan, and we'll understand this, by prefacing Rashi. So the Rebbe is, is, is giving us a rule, and that is that, yes, sometimes we might think that Rashi is simply um, a digest of teachings found in different sources. It could be found in the Mechilta, it could be found in the Tanhuma, it could be found in the Gemara, it could be found here, there, and everywhere. And Rashi <clears throat> simply um, cherry-picked things that were of interest to him or that he felt was absolutely necessary to learn the Pshat. But over and over in Rashi, the Rebbe explains to us <laughs> that it's not so simple, that, that Rashi um, does take from places but he often changes the terminology. He often changes the order of what he brings, how he brings it. He sometimes will take one thing, but he will not take another, uh, and so on and so forth. And the Rebbe like zooms in, you know, uh, under the microscope. And what he's doing here is he's telling us, in order to understand these differences, we have to understand what is the question that drives the Mechilta, and what is the question that drives Rashi? And then you'll understand why the terminology is different in each case. Because they're not looking at the same question. So he says, to understand what, what Mechilta is focusing on, we have to <clears throat> get a broader understanding of the Mechilta, right? So we're going to zoom out. And the Rebbe says, and now here's more of the Mechilta that we cited. So Mechilta says, <clears throat> on the words, you shall not reveal your nakedness upon it. The Mechilta's question is, oh, interesting. When it comes to the steps of the Mizbeach, you can't take large steps because we're worried that you're going to reveal too much of what is normally covered. But when it comes to walking in the Hechal and the Kedesh HaKadoshim, no such concern. Shehibadin, because that, that's permitted. Now, the Mechilta says, It shouldn't it be different? If you're talking about the Mizbeach, now, regarding the Mizbeach, because of its location, it's located in the Azara. So the halachas about it are kal. They are less strict. 
So if you're not allowed to reveal aspects of the body that are normally covered, you would think that in the Hechal and certainly the Kedush HaKadoshim, you would not be permitted to take a large step because the halachos about those areas are much more stringent. Talmud Laimar, the Torah teaches us, On the stones of the that lead to the Mizbeach, there you cannot take Psia Yisera. You cannot take a step that is like larger or extra. But you could take a larger step in the Hechel and the Kedush HaKadoshim. And then the Mechilta continues by bringing the Kalvachimer that we already referenced, that if you have to be careful about not sliding or deprecating or demeaning or insulting stones, how much more so you have to be sensitive to a human being. That's the Mechilta. Aval Rashi, but Rashi is driven by a different question. I'm so, sorry to interrupt. I'm sorry to interrupt, but, but I'm I'm not following. We're in the Hecha, we're in the Kodesh Kedoshim. Are they taking that extra psia? And why is it different? I still understand the difference. Okay, so uh, we, the Rebbe didn't yet tell us what the difference is. Oh, and it'll come it, in later? Yeah, yeah. And it's it'll not, okay, uh, it's fine, not necessarily um, steps, we'll see. Um, so it, there are steps in other parts of the base Hamikdash compound, but it seems that maybe even taking a larger step, even if it's not going up, is also under is also under consideration. But the Rebbe is going to explain. Okay. Right now, he's just kind of staging it. He's saying, "Let's look at the difference between what the context is. The context in the Mechilta is the question." Why are these steps different than other steps? Rashi is is looking at is focusing on something different. And we're not going to see what Rashi is focusing on yet, okay? So I'm just I'm just giving you an alert. He's just reviewing the Rashi in the next paragraph, and then we're going to go back to the Mechilda, and then we're going to go to the next if where we treat the Rashi. Rashi is focused on the fact that because there are steps, you are forced to um, widen your, your step. And although it's not actually revealing nakedness because they were wearing pants. Nevertheless, the fact that there are steps and that necessitates a larger um, separation of, of, of the feet, the legs, it's 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 car of the gilui erva, it's close to the explosion of nakedness. And that would be some type of slight that would be some type of embarrassment. Now, the, now we're going back to the Mechilta. 
והנה הבוס הקל וחמר הנעל במחילתא, תקף לאחר המיעוט עולב אי את הפסי הפסי הגסה ועל את הפסי הבהכל וקדוש קדושים, right after the מחילתא explains what's bothering him, that you can't take the steps to go up to the מזבח, but you could take the, the steps in other parts of the מקדש, the reason for this, the reason the Mechilta does this, is because through this he is trying to resolve a question that might arise. Seemingly, seemingly, the prohibition of not uncovering or revealing your nakedness on the steps of the of the Mizbeach, because this would be demeaning, seemingly this would not be because we're concerned about the actual stone. But rather because they are part of the Mizbeach, they're part of the Mikdash. So it's not the stone that we're concerned about. We're not concerned with the feelings, quote-unquote, of inanimate matter. We're concerned with an overarching thing here, and that is Hashem, basically. We're, we're concerned with the holiness of the Mizbeach. We're concerned with the awe, that should surround the Mizbeach, which is connected to the glory of Hashem, which rests on the Mizbeach. And in brackets, the Rebbe says, And this would be in keeping with the general um, laws surrounding behavior and comportment in the Beis in the, in the, in the Mishkan. Asher mishkan that it's not the, the Rambam says in the Sefer Mitzvah, it's not that you are fearing or showing awe to the Mikdash itself, but from the Abishter who is resting there. And like the Sefer Chinuch says, In the words of the Sefer Chinuch, the mitzvah surrounding comportment in the Mishkan and the Mikdash were in order to, um, to set firmly in our souls awe of Hashem and the importance of everything that surrounds HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and therefore we were warned against acting in a frivolous manner anywhere near the Mikdash. So here's the question of the Mechilta. So if the whole idea of not showing disrespect to the stones of the Mizbeach is connected to the overarching behavior that must surround the Mikdash, so then the question is, <laughs> So the question now is turned on its head. You might have started thinking, oh, really? You're going to learn from how we act stones towards how you act to people? You have to act to people in a whole different way than you act to stones, obviously. But the Mechilta is actually concerned about the opposite. 
how can you learn to treat people with the same level of sensitivity that you have to show to the stones leading up to the Mizbeach? Why should this be very difficult? Because everything having to do with the Mikdash has a spectacular and unparalleled level of holiness. But your friend? Maybe not. And that's the question that the Mechilta is grappling with. Ulam, however, kevan shalamadnu kaidem lachain mina kasav ki alavia tapasepsia gasa bala tapasepsia gasa behechal bekadashkadashim. But that's now what the Mechilta is doing with, with his wording that we, that he's bringing down because that we already learned that on yeah on the steps leading up to the Mizbeach, you cannot take a big step, but you could take a big step in other parts of the Mikdash. And based on the thesis above that you might think that the reason that you can't step on the steps is because it has to do with the overarching covet that has to be accorded to the Mikdash. So now we have a new question. Why would you have to treat the stones of the Mizbeach with a higher level of sensitivity than other parts of the Mikdash? Isn't there an overarching cover that you have to show to the whole Mikdash? says, On the contrary, it should be even more. It should be the opposite. It should be that we should be more concerned with taking larger steps in the Hechel and the Kadesh HaKadashim than the than the than the than with taking larger steps on the stones that lead up to the Mizbeach. Nimtza move on. So from this we understand. It doesn't have to do only or even mainly with the fact that it's part of the Mikdash, and every part of the Mikdash necessitates a very high level of holiness and respect. But no, it has to do with understanding the purpose that these stones serve. And therefore, we can learn a kalvachimer from this to how you treat people. So no, it doesn't have to do with the overarching holiness of the whole Mikdash. Because if it did have to do with that, then you would be wondering, how could you draw a Kalvachimer between that and your friend? Every part of the Beis HaMikdash has a spectacular level of holiness. Not every person has that same holiness. But the Mechilta says, no. It's not, that's not the issue. Din hu You can't show it disrespect, but it's not connected to the overarching holiness of the whole mikdash. It's something else. Rashi is actually underscoring this in a whole different way. And therefore he adds 
the Torah says that because the stones serve a certain purpose, you should not treat them in a way that they might be slighted. We're in the beginning of Seif Gimel. Because Rashi doesn't bring down that whole part from the Mechilta, where the Mechilta asks the question, why would you treat the steps of the Mizbeach different than the rest of the Hechal, different than the rest of the Mikdash complex. Therefore, Rashi adds that the Torah tells us you have to respect the stones because they serve a certain purpose. Therefore, and how does Rashi do that? Rashi does so by saying that this is because these stones, Bahem, there's a particular necessity. Perush, what does this mean? Because these stones have a certain, they serve a certain purpose, they answer a certain need. And they, and that purpose that the stones serve causes there to be this halacha that you shouldn't walk upon them in a way that reveals nakedness because it might slight them. So therefore, it's understood that Israel avne that the prohibition concerning walking in a disrespectful way on the stones of the Mizbeach, is not because they are another part of the Mikdash, but rather it's because they serve a particular purpose that is separate and apart from the overall holiness that the entire Mikdash holds. And now it's understood clearly, simply, Now we circle back and we can understand why there is no prohibition on building steps in other parts of the Mikdash complex, even though here we see that there is a concern with revealing nakedness. The other, on the contrary, how you buy malos, shabahen, how you oilin leulam, vilahechal. In fact, there were steps. The whole shir hamalos were the levim saying there were steps that led to the hall and to the hechal. Shakein al havonim shabemailos elu loy nitan leimar sheish behem tzorek meikan. But the thing is that regarding those other steps, they did not serve a necessary purpose like these steps did. And if you look um, in footnote 20, 
regarding the other steps that existed is not such a big question. They are places where pedestrian Jews, where everybody, as long as you were in a, in a, in a, in a state of Tavra, could enter. And they were not of necessity to Koyhanim per se and exclusively. So it's different. Dalit. And to further explain, this whole limut, this whole lesson that Rashi teaches here from the stones of the Mizbeach, that we learn from this that you're not allowed to insult another Jew. The whole thing <laughs> begs a big question. Really? You need to resort to a Kalvachimer from how we treat the stones in the Mizbeach to teach you that you shouldn't embarrass another person? You don't already know this? Isn't this plain and simple? But the Rebbe teaches, What Rashi's teaching here that we should learn a kalvachomer, that we should take a lesson from how the steps of the mizbeach have to be treated, we are not talking about actual embarrassment. We're talking about something that is, you could say, adjacent to embarrassing somebody, a slight. It's subtle. It's subtle. And it's subtle. First of all, we're talking about stones. And stones don't have feelings. And when you're talking about embarrassment, having feelings is the main thing. And the Rebbe brings down from the Gemara proof of this. That according to one opinion, the Gemara, we know that um, in, 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 in the Torah we learn that there are various compensations uh, that have to be given. There's workman's compensation, there's medical expenses, and there's baishas, there's embarrassment. And there's an opinion the Gemara that says that the whole paradigm of having to pay someone for embarrassment that they feel that 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 they um they undergo uh, because of something that that happened to them. It's only when it's possible for that person to experience shame or embarrassment. But if you embarrass somebody who's sleeping or somebody who is deceased, and since this person can never feel the embarrassment, you are free from paying that money you would have to pay otherwise for the shame that they incurred. So the Rebbe is saying, so, so in this Kalvachimer, we're not talking about actual embarrassment. <clears throat> we're talking about a slight, a type of a demeaning someone, a deprecating someone that's very subtle. 
we learn how subtle it is because first of all, we're talking about stones and stones don't have feeling. So seemingly the whole relevance of embarrassment to stones is, is, is non-existent, but obviously it exists. So let's just say it's negligible. Okay. So we're learning how, how careful we have to be, how subtle it is. That's number one, because we're talking about stones. And then let's look at what is considered demeaning. We're not talking here about acting frivolously, because acting frivolously or acting in an embarrassing manner is forbidden in the whole area of the Mikdash. We're talking about a slight. We're talking about something that could be construed as embarrassment. Because remember, the Kayhanim are wearing pants. So even if they have to lift their feet up ever so slightly to walk up the steps, what's the stone going to see? Linen pants. Rashi takes pains to underscore this, that it's not the actual revelation of nakedness. It's adjacent to. Or maybe So from here we learn, relevant to our fellow, that it's forbidden to do something that could be considered a slight. Even that we're not allowed to do. And even when that person does not feel through that action, whatever it is, they do not feel shame. They do not feel embarrassed. <coughs> but if it's something that could embarrass them or slight them in some way, we're not allowed to do it. <coughs> and now we're in a position to understand the difference between the Mechilta and Rashi in terms of honing in on what is the central point of the prohibition. According to the Mechilta, the prohibition devolves upon the person's action, that a person is prohibited from doing something that is not necessarily an embarrassment but is a, even a slight, is adjacent to embarrassing. Even that, you're not allowed to do. Rashi, but Rashi, who says always, but Rashi is coming for Pshat. And Rashi is not focusing on what the Mechilta stopped on, which is why is there a difference between this, these stones, and not the stones in other places? Why can there be steps in other places, etc.? Or even walking in a certain way in other places. So what is he focusing on? 
מובן שמצד פעולת האדם כשלעצמה לא הייתה התרא סרזייס. So Rashi wants to underscore that from the perspective of what the person is doing, That's, that would not be enough to prohibit it. Why? Because we're not talking about an actual shaming of anything. But rather that there's something very specific about these stones, these steps. And Rashi signals this by adding the words, because there's a particular necessity for these stones, for these steps. And because the stones are so necessary, therefore, walking on it causes a slight, uh, uh, a, a demeaning action that is like shameful, Okay, now I, I, I want to make sure that I, I explain this properly, and if I don't, please call me out on it. Rebbe is explaining that Rashi is underscoring that what's so different about these steps is that the Koyin cannot access the Mizbeach in any other way. They're absolutely necessary. But by taking the steps, because it could cause something that is adjacent to Gilui Erva to exposing something that is normally considered hidden, therefore it sullies the one who has to do this and therefore becomes Asur. And the Reb is now going to Um, explain this in elongated fashion. So in other words, we all the whole time were thinking the person is doing something to the steps. But now the Rebbe is saying, he's flipping it, he's saying, having to go up those steps, which is absolutely necessary because the Koyen can't access it any other way, sullies the Koyen in having to do so because it causes possible or something like exposure of that which is normally hidden. And therefore, How does this work with the Menorah? You did have steps and the only way you can do it is needed steps. And, and you had steps there. That's a fantastic question as is your M.O. Elisheva to ask the best questions. Um, I, I, I don't know what the answer is. Here is a possible answer. Okay. I could be completely wrong. I could be completely wrong on this, but the the Minaira was not so tall as much as the problem was that Aaron was very short. So maybe that's the answer, that for pragmatic reasons, Aaron needed the stool. But, but all the Kahanim, like, I thought the Kahanim, I thought they were tall. I thought, um, aren't they tall in general? I, I, I'm going to look it up, I don't but know. I'm fairly yeah. certain that I that I learned somewhere that Aaron was extraordinarily short. This is true. The only thing is that we have Baal Laiska, and the whole concept of Baal Laiska is to go up. 
So not a, no, the whole thing Baalaischa is not to go up on the steps. Baalaischa is all about that you should make the flame. Rashi says there you should make the flame. Yeah, but up. you also but it brings up the point that you're going up the steps there. No, I don't remember directly that. I think it's about how you light the candles there, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the wicks. I I could be wrong, but that's what I remember. Okay. Anyways, okay. And I'm not sure that that, but that. that yeah, and but then again, sure. but here and you're I, saying, but here you're saying, here you're saying that um, but here you're saying that the whole thing is with the Kayan being embarrassed. So why would one embarrass Aaron, who is short, so he needed to go up? Like if this is where the question comes in, because Aaron was short and he had to go up, and here we're saying that we didn't want to embarrass the Kayan, right? That's what you started saying. I mean, I didn't finish yeah, but not, it but not, but not, no. No, it's a different vort. All right, um, we'll see at the end. No, no, let me let me let me just try to explain. You're asking that by Aaron having to stand on a stool, quote unquote, that would be embarrassing him because of his lack of stature. No, he's going up. Not that he's standing on a stool, but he's going up steps, which is okay, the same okay. concept. So I, so I and think, that's what I, so I think. I think the answer is that, and I could be wrong, but the the answer is that by the mizbeach. It was necessary by the by the minera. It wasn't a necessity. Mitzad, how the minera was built, it was just a pragmatic help for Aaron. So there's 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 a difference milachatchila, and um, look look at look at footnote twenty eight. We didn't, you know what? Let's do let's do let's do sevav. And, and we'll look at footnote 28. The Rebbe says, let's explain a little bit more. What does Rashi intend to say was saying, but the but the but there is a special need for these steps. His intention is that there's literally no other way for the kaihanim to do their work on the Mizbeach except for to alight onto the Mizbeach through some way. And if it was steps, they would have to walk on these steps. And that's why Hashem said, build a ramp, because we don't want to slight them. And look at footnote 28, because the kaihanim are embarrassing the stones, but they're also embarrassing themselves that they need to resort to this kind of behavior. Footnote 28, or the Rebbe says we might say, that really that this is something that all of B'nai Yisrael need. And he goes on to say, In other words, it would in some way sully or debase not just the Kohanim, but all of Klal Yisrael. And so the Ebesha says, no, you're going to build a ramp. Nobody's going to have to take larger than usual steps. There'll be no possible... Um, problem with a slight uh, uh, or an embarrassment, anything demeaning happening, because there will be no possible um, gilui erva. 
Ubidugmas, and the Rebbe says, this is like Avaloi Bishavan Mamish, but not exactly. And we'll soon see why it's not exactly. The Rebbe goes back again to um, a discussion about when do you have to pay a person for embarrassment that they incurred through something you did. So the Rebbe says, Shahadin Rikak Bivigdoi Pater. That somebody that spits on your clothing is Pater from having to pay Baishas. They don't have to pay uh, for embarrassing. Why? This is only Hudafka This is only if the person that was spit upon, the person that was embarrassed, was not wearing that article of clothing. But if the spitter spit on the garment when the person was wearing the garment, then they are chayev, then they are culpable, then they do have to pay um the compensation for embarrassment. Because it's very logical. Because if you're spitting when the person is wearing the baguette, you're embarrassing them. And that's why you have to pay them boishas. Now, where this, and the Rebbe, the Rebbe Bavarant, the Rebbe equivocated by saying, because I think that what might be tricky here or difficult is that when you're talking about somebody else spitting on somebody or something, it's easier to understand. Here, it's very subtle. It's that by walking up the steps and embarrassing the steps, the koyhain is being slighted in the process. The koyhain is being sullied, demeaned, in some way deprecated by having to engage in this. You know how we talk about like how you don't want to like answer certain people? You don't want to get in the mud with them. Because when you get in the mud, no matter what you say to them and you think like, oh, you gave it to them, you paid them back, you punished them, you're going to end up getting dirty. But when you're talking about the other steps and the other parts of the Mikdash, you don't have the same dynamic because they're not absolutely necessary. Because to the part of the Mikdash, um, complex called the Hechel, you could access it in other ways. You didn't have to use the steps. In footnote 32, although this wasn't the conventional way, but you could access it in a different way. And all of us are familiar with structures uh, built on mountains or built on elevations where um, to access it, either you go up through steps from one way, or you you could you could access from a different door, which is on a different elevation, and you don't need steps. So the Rebbe explains to so the Hechel, it wasn't necessary, and that's number one. But these steps were actually in front of the Ulam, which is kind of like a antechamber to the Hechel. It's not 
absolutely necessary to their avoida that they're going to do in the hechol because it's like a grama. It's like the ulam is before the hechol, so it's not a direct line. But way, the way that you access the Mizbeach was part of the Mizbeach. The ramp was part of the Mizbeach. You could see from the words of the Pasuk that the way in which you access the Mizbeach is considered part of the Mizbeach. Hainu, meaning, once you went on to the wrap, you were considered to be on the Mizbeach already. There's no daylight. There's no degrees of separation. And from this we learn regarding embarrassing or slighting somebody else. Even when it's simply a slight, it's not a full-throated embarrassment or shaming. And maybe it didn't even lead to any practical way in which your fellow was embarrassed. Still in all. But because the person was created in the image of Hashem. Just like if you did something that was unseemly on the steps, it would already be considered like it was a slight on the Mizbeach. In the same way, when you embarrass a person, it's like you're embarrassing Hashem. It's bidugmas that you shouldn't go up with steps on my mizbeach. It causes a bizayin to the kaihanim that they have to do this. Zayin. And now we're in a position to understand and to more carefully parse the terminology of what Rashi says here when he brings the Kalvachimer. He says, Uma Avanim Halalu. And and if we're talking about these stones, Sha'in Bahim Das Lahakpid Albizyanun, they have no ability to take umbrage on their being embarrassed. And yet the Torah says that because they serve a particular necessity, you're not allowed to slight them. How much more so your fellow who was created in the image of your creator and is careful or will take umbrage and will be attentive to embarrassment, how much more so you have to be careful. The And Rashi's terminology is not like the Mechilta. The Mechilta does not mention this terminology about taking umbrage on one's embarrassment. This whole idea 
of even caring about embarrassment. By inserting this, Rashi is explaining the following. If you're talking about stones, stones don't have the ability to be sensitive to embarrassment. They are lacking the basic characteristic for embarrassment. That is feelings. And somebody who, like we said earlier, is sleeping or is 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 has passed, then then they don't they're if they're not mockpit on being embarrassed, then they're not embarrassed. And maybe this is even um maybe it's even talking about a person that's alive, but for whatever reason it doesn't bother them. So then there's no embarrassment. Then how much more so you're not allowed to act in in even in a slight, in a subtle slight towards your fellow. Aleph. You doesn't matter because what do we learn from the stones? That even if they don't feel embarrassment, you're not allowed to embarrass them. So how much more so your friend, your fellow, who is created in the image of your creator, meaning that their connection to the creator is a straight and recognizable connection. And this is not like the kaihanim and the stones that don't share characteristics. But your fellow and the creator, they share characteristics. So how much more so you have to be careful. And And your friend your fellow is a person, and therefore people are makpid. They do take umbrage when they are embarrassed. And by your friend, it is the paradigm of embarrassment. In contradistinction, if you're talking about the stones of the Mizbeach, they're you can't really be talking about bizoyan embarrassment. You could be talking about minag bizoyan, a possible slight, but not actual embarrassment, because actual embarrassment necessitates feelings and um, and, and and relating to that embarrassment. And in ches, this is really um, it's really it's really something absolutely gorgeous here. Rashi's commentary on the Rashi, uh, com commentary on the Pasuk is the wine of Torah. It's the deepest part. It's the most delicious part.
we might say that in this commentary of Rashi, which comes on the last pasuk of the Parsha, and we have a rule in Gemara Brachas that everything is reckoned after its final aspect, which is why people take great pains with dessert, after, especially after a lavish meal, because the way things end is kind of the impression that you leave with. Is, is So everything goes according to the end. So in the words of Rashi is alluded to a main aspect of this whole Parsha. And what's the main aspect of the whole Parsha? Matan Saras Hands down. That is the central aspect of this week's Parsha. What's the connection between what Rashi teaches here and the, the central theme of this week's Parsha? Just like in Aseris Hadibras were included, not just the sweeping theological statements, I am your God, and you should not have any other gods upon me. These are overarching ideas about the unity of God. But include in Aseris Hadibras, Elagam Hadibras Achreinim, are also the the latter dibra, shehem dvarim shutim, simple, logical things. And the most basic things should be adam lechaveri, between one person and another. Like you shouldn't murder, you shouldn't commit adultery, you shouldn't covet what your friend has. I mean, pretty basic, pretty logical. And just like the Saras Hadibras includes these, kenu perish rashi. So is it in Rashi's commentary, which is Tereshabalpeh. What's the very last thing in the commentary of Rashi and Parshas Yisrei? What does the last Rashi concern itself with? The imperative to be absolutely punctilious and very, very attentive and careful with seemingly a simple thing, how you treat your fellow. All the way to a subtle slight, minag bizayin. And just like the latter Dibrais are not separate and apart from the first Dibrais. In other words, we don't say, oh, those sweeping theological statements, those are really the important Dibrais. But then the ones that come after, those are, you know, not important. No. But the Rebbe says it's spoken previous times. The reason for why those seemingly basic, simplistic, logical things were ascertained to be part of the Aseris Hadibras is to teach us that not killing and not stealing and not coveting is one and the same with Anoich Hashem I am God, your God. 
לאמיתו של דבר, גם הדברים שבין אדם לחברי הם בין אדם למכה. Truth to be told, in essence, anything that's been Adam l'chaveri, that is between one person and another, let's say our horizontal connections, is actually been Adam l'makim. It's actually really about our connection to Hashem. It's really about our vertical connection. And we have to be careful with these things because this is Hashem's will, that we should be careful with how we treat each other. So in this thing that we're learning, Rashi underscores and adds, that the reason you have to be so careful with your friend is because your friend, your fellow, was created in the image of your creator. The reason that this Isser that you would think is only an Isser bin Adam l'chaveira is also an Isser bin Adam l'makim is not only because Hashem commands it, and that's the connection to how it's a, it's going to be a, a trespass in your relationship with Hashem. No, Rebbe says, Ela gam lefi shechavercha v'hamakim baruchu heim bidmus achas. I want to read that again. Because your, your fellow and Hashem are in one image. In other words, a ben adam la chaveri mitzvah is not just also considered a mitzvah ben adam la makayim because Hashem commanded it. No. It's because your fellow human being and Hashem are considered demus achas, one image, kav yachal, as it were, obviously. And therefore, e has a hiras bechvoyit chavercha, nechshevez ki e zehiras bechvoyit akadish barucho. When you act with this respect to your fellow, that is considered a disrespect. To Hashem's glory. And the Rebbe references this <clears throat> axiom that whenever Hashem tells us something that is a negative repercussion, but in the other way, when you do the right thing, the reward is always so much greater if you were to compare it to what would happen in the negative. So Rebbe says, Meruba mita teva. In the positive, this is so much greater. Sha'avas Yisrael ad la'ahava bilti mugbelas ha'mevi'a l'dehan haga shal kibbut chavercha betaklis hasiros. Loving your fellow Jew in a way that has no bilti mugbelas. There's no limit. There's no cap. There's no metric. It's infinite which leads to a behavior of tremendous respect and being very, very careful with honoring your, your fellow. <clears throat> In essence, this kind of behavior is about loving Hashem 
and adding glory to, to, to Hashem. And just like when you look into the water, your face is reflected back at you. So this has a reciprocal effect. When we love each other in such a way, because when we love each other, it is a form of loving Hashem, this causes a ricochet effect and it reveals Hashem's love for us. And in the final analysis, this leads to the glory of the Jews, even in the eyes of all the other nations. Until it leads to the true glory that will come with the revelation of the redemption. I'm sorry, no. The, 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 the true glory will be revealed with the redemption, with the true redemption, the complete redemption, through the agency of Mashiach Tzedkenu, may it be speedily in our days, actually, mamash, mamash, mamash. Can't, it can't come too soon. Um, that's our sicha for today. And um, as usual, everybody is invited to unmute and share and uh, this is coming as uh, the sicha comes as uh, you know we we come we come closer to um, the kinos hashluches and the whole idea of the kinos was for people to encourage them and that's in general the Indian of kinosim of of gathering the Rebbe would always say that the purpose is that we should come together we should strengthen each other we should say to each other chazak that we should be strengthened. So, and and it's really the purpose of this class of this kinos here every Monday morning. Um, but it puts a whole different level of uh, emphasis and responsibility uh, on 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 how sensitive we have to be to each other, how attentive we have to be uh, towards each other's feelings, and and um, not chaspechalila slight somebody. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's amazing. Thank Anybody you. Anybody want to share something? A word, a story, something? Just to say what it's.